Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Buffalo Bills fans, welcome back to Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast here on buffalorumblings.com and everywhere else you go to get your fine Bills-related podcasts. That's Apple, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, you name it. The Buffalo Rumblings family of podcasts is taking over. I believe we have 10 million podcasts and counting now. Just kidding, but our network has really exploded. And uh, and, and you heard the, the chuckle of my esteemed colleague and cohort, Jamie D'Amico. I am John Boccasino. He is a co-host of Jamie D and Big Newt. And of course, you're listening here to Believe on Jamie, the robust Buffalo Rumblings family of podcasts. Yeah, we kind of knocking it out of the park as a bunch. So somebody said once on Twitter that I think the Bills have more podcasts per fan than any other team out there. And I don't think that's a bad thing because everybody's going to have an opportunity to find something that they enjoy listening to. Um, if it's not us, and of course it is us, but if it's not us, you definitely can find something. Good answer there. It's always us, Jamie and Big Newt and Jamie and myself here on Bill Eve. But you're right. There really is something for everybody when it comes to the Buffalo Rumblings family, a podcast, whether you've got your deep dive analysis with Bruce Nolan, whether you've got us, you know, two guys who like to laugh and chuckle about football and make some uh, some punny dad jokes and talk about the Bills. You know, we we're here to be the everyman perspective, and we 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 label ourselves as fans. I mean, we read a bunch, but we try to have a lighthearted conversation and give you our insights into those Buffalo Bills. And you know, Jamie, coming off of last week. The just, I mean, I I got some flack talking to some Bills fans on Twitter when I called the loss stunning. Um, but I really, I want to start with that here on Billy before we get to our Vikings preview. I legitimately was stunned at the Bills' loss to the Jets, not because the Bills lost to the Jets, but it, it it's it's becoming you know once can be an anomaly, twice is a pattern, three times is a trend. We've seen a couple of things happen with these bills over the last couple of weeks that give you pause and cause for concern when it comes to the run defense getting run over and the bills being unable to adjust in the second half to what the defense throws them. I want to start with that, Jamie. What did you think? Did you think the loss was, was stunning to the jets? I don't want to say stunning. It surprised me, but I wasn't stunned because these jets with, you know, we as Bills fans, we like to talk our opponents down and our team up. But the fact of the matter is, 
they've won a lot of games this year. And they've done it through playing really good defense and controlling the line of scrimmage and by running the ball. And if you can do those things, you can win games against anybody. And when you sprinkle into that, the fact that Josh Allen had a suboptimal game, it's it's not shocking. If and and that's the thing, you know, it, it's it's a bigger issue than just losing this game. We have been saying for two years that the Buffalo Bills offense has to be more than Josh Allen going out and being superhuman because it's human to have an off day. He's not going to be superhuman every game, and the Bills don't seem to have the ability to compensate for that by having a strong run game. The Jets, on the other hand, they ran the ball. And they held it for a long damn time, and it seems like something has been exposed in the Bills' run defense, right? Yeah, it was definitely noticeable not having Matt Milano, not having Jordan Poyer, and then you have Gregory Rousseau go down with the ankle injury um, before halftime. I mean, the Bills were banged up um, when it came to the key members of the defense, and the Jets, minus Brees Hall, you know, really capitalized and took advantage and and what's scary is it was easy to dismiss the Packers run success because the Bills were up by 17, you know, the, the almost the entire second half. And they were willing to concede the ground game gains uh, to Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon and Green Bay. But when the Jets did it, it was troubling because you knew they were going to run the ball, you know, and 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 Zach Wilson, you know, to his credit, didn't turn the ball over. He didn't make those back-breaking mistakes. I mean, I I remember vividly calling for a pick six for the Bills and saying that they were going to have their way with Wilson. Well, you're right. They can win when they run the ball and don't turn the ball over. Um, And I guess that's just why I guess I go back to the stunning and shocking is just the fact that, like, ah, the Bills didn't make the necessary adjustments. And I'm not used to a Sean McDermott coach team not – wising up and adjusting to what the defense or offense is showing you. And in case in point, after the game, McDermott was talking pretty rabidly about the need for the bills to get back to not being one dimensional. And I'm, I'm hoping we see an adjustment when it comes to tomorrow's game script uh, with the run game, because I think the bills ran the ball twice in the third quarter. I want to say maybe it was one more time than that, but it was like as soon as the run game got shut down, they decided to go air Allen, and it did not work. No, it didn't. And conversely, on the other side, the Bills didn't seem to adjust defensively to the fact that the Jets were running the ball convincingly without their top running back, who is injured for the rest of the season. They were doing it with Michael Carter and their new addition, James Robinson. Those aren't necessarily world beaters. And I was curious why the Bills stayed in nickel, even when even when there were bigger packages coming on the field from the offense and when they were running the ball successfully. I got Zach Wilson across across the line from our defense, right? Isn't that guy a clown? I mean, don't you want him to be the one who has to beat you? But instead... They allowed the the Jets to keep them off balance, which then made Zach Wilson look really good. Did it not? I mean, he looked like a legitimate NFL quarterback. He was 
not necessarily going through three and four progressions, but that's good coaching by the Jets. And also, speaking of good coaching by the Jets, um, did you see how excited Robert Sala was when the Bills were finally defeated at the end of that game? Did you see the celebration? Holy God. Dude, it's a regular season game. It was like their Super Bowl. It felt like it, you know, and and, and now that's the thing, the, the valid uh, point I, I want. And, and Jamie brings up some extremely valid points when it comes to the run defense getting gouged and not coming out of the nickel. And we've talked about that now for, for two weeks now. But the, the Bills have and I, I'm sure deep down they realize this, but you can't take any opponent for granted. You know, the Bills have that massive bullseye on their backs that comes from being the two time defending AFC East champions, the prohibitive, at least AFC representative favorite for the Super Bowl. And, you know, they're the media darlings. And I know that Robert Sala afterwards said, you know, no one in the media might have thought that the Jets were going to win this game, but nobody in their locker room was surprised at the outcome. And it's not like the Jets blew the Bills doors out, but when they needed to, they did. And that's what's so concerning when you know what someone's going to do and you still can't stop it. That was really troublesome when it comes to the run defense for Leslie Frazier. And Jamie, I got bad news. It's not going to get any easier on Sunday when you get Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison and the uh, the Minnesota Vikings, the first place in the NFC North Vikings coming to town. This is going to be a daunting task for the Bills to go out there and, and try to slow down a really solid Minnesota Vikings run game. And then you factor in that the bills are going to be without Rousseau and Poyer yet again. What do you think? I've got my theories, but what do you think the bills can do and what will they do to make adjustments to get better at the run defense? Well, that's interesting because Minnesota can destroy you with their receivers, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, and a very underrated KJ Osborne, their, uh, their slot guy, and well, let's not call him the slot guy because really Thielen is more in the slot. But uh, and then they added TJ Hawkinson. So now you have Kirk Cousins, who everybody wants to talk smack about, but he's not that bad. So you have to stay in your nickel defense. So to me, it looks like the Bills running game woes on defense, at least, are correctable. And they're correctable by improving two areas. Number one, gap integrity. They were getting out of their gaps the past couple of weeks. That, I mean, that's going to destroy you right there. But the other thing is, for some reason, the other teams have out-physicaled the Bills. Is that, is that, is that a word? Out-physicaled? Let's make it now. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, please, nobody look that up in the dictionary. Anyway. I, call, I called Miriam Webster and gave them a heads up that we're going to add this <laughs> word to the dictionary. <laughs> Appreciated. Uh, anyway, uh, but Daquan Jones has been the guy who's been the, the key to the Bills' run defense being strong this year. And they're still ranked, I think, third in the NFL in DVOA. Uh, so that's defensive value over average. And the last two weeks, he's getting moved off of his spot. Now, is that because he's not right? Is he you know, being injured? Is he potentially worn out at this point in the season? You, you never actually know why that's happening. But as he goes, the run defense is going to go. So I will be very interested to see 
if we see the tough dude in the middle of the line that we saw really up until the Green Bay game. When it comes to the Vikings, the opponent that the Bills have coming up on Sunday, you're right, Jamie, that the Vikings have a very dangerous run game, a ground game that has exceeded expectations, I feel like. I mean, Dalvin Cook, a lot's been played of the fact that this is going to be the first time that the Cook brothers, I guess even going back to like Pop Warner, have ever played against each other with James Cook being the Buffalo rookie running back and Dalvin Cook being the veteran running back that powers this Vikings offense. But I think it's interesting when it comes to this matchup because you know we've mentioned Leslie Frazier hesitance to get out of the nickel. They like to be in a nickel at all costs. I don't know if that game plan can work or should work on Sunday. And, and there's a really good analysis piece that's out there where it talks about one of the keys to Buffalo stopping the ground game on Sunday is relying on what's known as a six man box or a light defensive box. And what that means is you want to get six defenders in the tackle to tackle area near the line of scrimmage, something that the bills don't normally operate out of. But if you can do that and they're able to maintain their gap integrity, they're able to pursue and stay even with their their blockers to make sure that uh, Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison aren't gouging them. If you do that, the Vikings can be slowed down. They can. On the ground. They like to run their 11 personnel. We are purely talking about running the ball on this. And, you know, when you look at it, this isn't something what I'm mentioning and proposing about this light box is not something that is unusual. You know, the Vikings are used to seeing this. Um, and Dalvin Cook has had, I guess, 40% of his runs have come against six man boxes, but he's less successful against a six man box than he is any other type of defense that might be thrown out there. So, but. It, it, it is. It is interesting. It is something to consider. But then the converse side of that is with Buffalo being dinged up without Jordan Poyer. We, I think it's safe to assume Trey White's going to make his season debut on Sunday. Um, I don't necessarily know. It's going to be a very difficult balancing act because the Bills definitely need to be light and have that six defender approach at the line of scrimmage. But if with the Bills being banged up in the back of the secondary, I'm, I'm saying you can't rely on that defensive tactic all the time to try to slow down Dalvin Cook. So it's going to be a very difficult balancing act for Leslie Frazier to walk on Sunday. So let me ask uh, a little bit more question uh, about that. When we talk about a six-man box, are we talking about a six-man line? And I ask that question because the Bills typically go with Six, you know, four defensive linemen and two linebackers. So what I, I'm curious what the adjustment would be. What do you mean by that? Yeah, I mean, it could it can be it's any combination of six defenders in what's known as the tackle to tackle. So from left side, left tackle to right tackle, crowding the line of scrimmage. So think about it like almost like a U around the line of scrimmage. So from left to right, you've got six defenders and whether it's three down linemen and three linebackers, which would be a break from what Buffalo normally trots out, or whether it's a four and a two with, again, um, Milano and Tremaine Edmonds manning the linebacker position. 
those are the guys who are really and and you can drop Milano and Edmonds back into coverage. You can have one of them on Hawkinson um, and, and guarding him or chipping him, but it's giving the appearance of that six defenders in the tackle area. That's when Dalvin Cook has struggled a little bit more than normal when it comes to the run game. Okay, that that makes sense to me. Got it. And it's it's not easy to do because again, with the Bills having their injuries, you know, it's it's going to be tough. I mean, I know that Russo and Poyer have already been been ruled out for this game, but I feel like Jamie, what's that old adage? Insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. The Bills are not getting the results that they want when they're in the nickel against the run defense. So this might be the week to try something different just based on the personnel they can trot out there because I would much rather Kirk Cousins beat me, which he does have weapons, but I think the Bills secondary can hold up better, especially with Trey White out there containing a Jefferson and Adam Thielen uh, and a TJ Hawkinson type. Then if they're going to, I don't, what I don't want this to turn into is the Colts game from last year where it was Jonathan Taylor left, Jonathan Taylor, right. Jonathan Taylor up the middle. And next thing you know, he's run for 220 yards and five touchdowns. I'm not so sure, my friend. And let me tell you why. Justin Jefferson has 867 yards on the season in nine games. Eight games? Nine games. He has 59 receptions. This dude might go for 2,000 receiving yards on the season. That seems to me like somebody you need to pay a lot of attention to. And can you? Can you cover Justin Jefferson if you are taking somebody out of the secondary? Hmm. I don't know the answer to that, but I'm I'm more of I think I'm more afraid of Justin Jefferson than I am Delvin Cook. It's interesting because and and, and as you mentioned that this is that this this goes to show the depth that Minnesota has. Um, they're they're not just a run solid offense. They're not just a pass prolific offense. They can do it all, and that's why that deadline acquisition of T.J. Hawkinson was so clutch and so under the radar because the Vikings were getting next to nothing from their tight ends before the trade. Then they bring in Hawkinson, and it's another weapon to add to the arsenal. With with Kyer Elam most likely not playing on Sunday. This does turn into a concern when it comes to um, the, the Bills' corners, and I, I definitely expect Trey White to be out there. I think he needs to be out there. I think him and Dane Jackson are going to have their hands full in who's going to cover and how they're going to attempt to slow down Jefferson because you're right. He is second in the league in receiving yards, 867. This kid is an absolute monster, And I, I hear, but this is the thing, Jamie. I almost feel like Leslie Frazier, we know – what he likes to do on defense. He's not going to commit one corner full time to shadowing Jefferson. Like he's going to trust if Christian Benford gets the assignment, he's going to trust the rookie from Villanova to match up against this dynamic route runner in Justin Jefferson and slow him down. So I don't think you're going to see Trey white solely draw the shadow assignment. No, definitely not. Or Dane Jackson. He's going to mix and match the hot hand. The other side of it is they're probably going to ease Trey white back. I I don't see him playing a hundred percent of the snaps coming off of his injury. If Matt Milano was the template from a couple of years ago when he was coming off, 
Milano was a role player or a part-time player for the first three games until he really got his legs under him. Because let's, let's be clear here. When players miss a lot of time, and you see this on, with training camp holdouts all the time, when they finally get back in, they end up pulling a muscle or have some sort of soft tissue injury. That should be the biggest concern that the Bills have is the health, the long-term health of Trey White not winning this specific game. And I'll tell you why. This Bills team is good enough that they are going to fall as backwards into the playoffs. Of course, we want the number one seed, right? But anything can happen once you get into the playoffs. So even if they make it in as a wild card team, God forbid, I would still prefer having a healthy Trey White later on. So what are they going to do as a result of that? Well, Leslie Frazier is good at drawing up weird zone coverages that are confusing to quarterbacks, the trap zones, everything else. But Kirk Cousins is a veteran quarterback who has seen all of it before. So it comes down to execution, right? Absolutely. And and I wish... I wish this game was at primetime because Kirk Cousins is a totally different quarterback playing under the lights than he is. He, If the Super Bowl were to be played at 1 p.m. on a Sunday, the Vikings might be the favorites because Kirk D. Cousins loves to ball out during those early slot games. And for some reason, he looks like a deer in headlights playing under the lights at night. So I, with the conditions being the way they are in Buffalo on Sunday, which includes a chance of snow uh, temperatures in the low to, to mid 30s, you know, maybe maybe the, the Bills will have the lights on at Highmark Stadium to make him think it's a night game and play some psychological warfare with Kirk Cousins. <laughs> I didn't realize it was going to be so uh, so crappy on Sunday. Wow. It's been like a 40 degree temperature change up here from Tuesday when it was 70 and even Thursday it was 70. But the winter winds of Western New York are whipping up. It's not going to be pleasant, um, which maybe will hopefully affect the Vikings because I feel like, Jamie, unlike what we saw last week versus the Jets, the Bills need to make Kirk Cousins uncomfortable. They need to get the pressure from the front four. And it's big that Russo is not going to play. I'm looking squarely at you, Boogie Basham. This is your opportunity to step up you or AJ Epinesa and prove that you're worth the investment because the bills need to get something from someone other than Von Miller when it comes to generating pressure on the quarter. hundred percent true. And something that we know about Kirk cousins, he likes to, and he's good at it. He likes to throw off his back foot and float the ball in the air and throw it to a spot when he's under duress. And I mean, give him credit. His receivers know that, and they will run to those spots and make those receptions. But when the ball's floating in the air like that, the defense has a chance to make a play on it. So they need especially a pass rush up the middle that's going to make him throw off that back foot. Yes, the more they can make him under duress, the more they can get to him quickly and cause those inadvertent and errant throws, the better...
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know, Jamie, it's hard to believe we're we're sitting here on on Believe coming up on 23 minutes. We have not mentioned, and I wanted to save this for a little bit, but this game could be the first start of the Case Keenum era for the Buffalo Bills with the UCL injury that Josh Allen is currently dealing with. He is not only is he questionable for the game on Sunday, he has been deemed hour to hour by head coach Sean McDermott, which means 10 a.m. Sunday morning could be a different status than 11 a.m. Sunday morning. You know how I believe in two things. Thoughts can manifest outcomes. And if you ignore it, it'll go away. So I have purposefully not talked about this because I don't want it to happen. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let me tell you something, Jamie. I look, there is no doubt the Bills are a thousand percent better of a football team with Josh Allen under center than Case Keenum. Hello, Captain Obvious. I mean, that's not breaking fact, news. What we've seen of Keenum has been pretty bad, but continue. It has, it has. But I will say this count me among the group that if it is Case Keenum under center, I still think the Bills win this game on Sunday. And here's why. Yeah, here's here's my my thought process for this. And this is not trying to be too much of the rose colored glasses optimist. But how many backup quarterbacks in the league put up Pro Bowl caliber seasons with a dynamic wide receiver who they were? I mean, when when he was in Minnesota, Keenum to Diggs, you know, got this team to the NFC championship game before they lost to the Philadelphia Eagles in the year that they beat the Patriots in the Nick Foles Philly special game. Case Keenum and Stefan Diggs have an incredibly special rapport and they know each other. So I feel like even if Josh doesn't play on Sunday, I think Case Keenum, this is a good opportunity for him to step up and, and prove that the Bills made the right decision and making him be their backup quarterback. And I don't think like I, I don't think the Bills are going to turn to a crazy run heavy scheme if Josh is out. Now, granted, you are, I do want to see more Devin Singletary and the Vikings can be had up the middle. Their run defense is a bit susceptible if you attack them up the middle of their defense. If you're able to go right up the middle of that base three, four that they like to run, if you go after Jonathan Ballard, if you go after Harrison Phillips, former Bills friend, and Dalvin Tomlinson, the rest of that front D. They can be had on the ground game, but as much as I want the Bills to run the ball more, I still think they're not going to change their identity drastically if Josh is not under center. And I think, again, Case Keenum has that little thing called a chip on his shoulder. The Vikings were the team that said goodbye from him after that dynamic 
Pro Bowl caliber season when they almost made the Super Bowl. He was their he was their quarterback, and they said bye bye. We're going to go after Kirk Cousins and bring him in instead. You can't tell me that he doesn't want the chance to burn his old team. That motivation, I tell you, much like not thinking about something can make it maybe come true versus obsessing about it. That motivation of taking on your former team, man, that's invaluable motivation right there. If Case Keenum is in the game, expect the Bills' offense to look very different. Number one, he doesn't have the arm that Josh Allen has. I mean, okay, nobody does, right? (laughs) Nobody does. Nobody does. (laughs) All right. But the other thing is he has always made his money in short to mid-range passes. He, He doesn't throw it deep. So you're going to see a lot of timing passes from the Bills. Their receivers are going to have to get off the line of scrimmage very, very quickly and get open. That may pull Gabe Davis out of the game a little bit. He doesn't have that quick twitch thing that underneath receivers have. However, they will need to do that and run the ball, not just because that's what Keenum does, but because of that Minnesota pass rush. Zadarius Smith is an absolute wrecking ball, and he's an edge rusher that at this point in the season, he has eight and a half sacks. So he's averaging about a sack a game, and he is a strong dude that can bull rush the hell out of people. And what does the right side of the Bills offensive line have the hardest time with? Anchoring on physical bull rushes. So if they're hoping that Keenum is going to hold on to the ball long enough for the receivers to get deep downfield, you're going to have guys like Quessenberry and Butler in Keenum's lap, and that is not going to go well. Yeah, no, you're right. The Bills are going to have to get a lot of separation and quick off the line of scrimmage, which is why, hello, Isaiah McKenzie, this is a perfect week for you to break out of your little funk and develop back into the slot receiver that the Bills hoped you were going to be when Cole Beasley walked away after last year. I mean, it's really – but here's the thing too, Jamie. I don't know if we're going to see David Quesenberry because – Spencer Brown was a full practice participant Thursday and Friday. I'm fully expecting him to be out there with the team uh, anchoring that right side of the offensive line with Deion Dawkins, of course, at the left side. I mean, the Bills, outside of the fact that they're missing Poyer and Rousseau, and we mentioned Elam, he's doubtful. Tremaine Edmonds is questionable and Josh Allen's questionable. Other than that, everybody else should be back on this field and should be suiting up on Sunday, which means you'll get Spencer Brown back. Now, granted, boy, what a matchup for him to get thrown back into, having to try to slow down the freak of nature known as Darius Smith with his eight and a half sacks. But I'd much rather have Spencer Brown out there trying to do that than David Quesenberry. Yeah, and oh, by the way, uh, Daniel Hunter, uh, their other edge rusher, five sacks on the season. So, I mean, they can, they can get after the quarterback. And it has to be a concern. But the Bills also managed to neutralize Aaron Donald. I mean, this this Bills offensive line, as much as you want to malign them for what their struggles have been, you know, like it wasn't the offensive line's fault that Josh Allen threw those two picks last week. It wasn't, I mean, they didn't open up the holes in the ground game the way you wanted to. But again, Dorsey went away from running the ball. So I feel like it's been an underrated, and all the offensive linemen, I think, know that if Case Keenum's under center, 
the job, the onus is on them to step up and really give him even a little bit more time than usual because it's not like Josh Allen's going to be under center scampering for 15 yards in a first down. Case is not a mobile quarterback, but he won both his games last year with the Browns. He's a savvy veteran, and I feel like you might see offensive situations where it's digs and knocks and either McKenzie or Khalil Shakir in the slot. And maybe the bills just simplify their offense, knowing that they can't just do the deep route to Diggs or the deep route to Davis. They're going to have to get the underneath patterns, which is where the Vikings can be had. The Vikings can be had when it comes to those short to intermediate quick passes. And that's really a case's strong point. It really is. And they have to do those because I, I vehemently, I got to be honest, buddy. I vehemently disagree with your take on the offensive line. I think Josh Allen bails them out. I feel like their blocking has been subpar, especially the guards. And uh, I feel like if you have an immobile quarterback in there, dude's going to get his lunch handed to him in the pocket. Uh, but I, I, we are in agreement on the strategy for overcoming whatever the, whatever the deficiencies are if Case Keenum is in there. Short passes, get it out quick, keep them off balance, and then whoop, run the ball. You can neutralize Zedarius Smith by running right at him. Yes, you do. You That's exactly what the Bills did in the opener against Aaron Donald. They went right after him and took him out of his element. And another uh, weapon, Jamie, that I feel like we really should see more of on Sunday, it's the birthday boy, Naheem Hines. He was targeted once against the Jets. It was a wheel pattern pass that sailed out of bounds. He never had a chance to catch it. Naheem Hines, with his speed, he is exactly the type of weapon that the Bills should be deploying more to be successful against Minnesota, whether it's on the wheel routes or the angle routes or the draws. Like, this is his week to step up and shine. Him and Singletary, those guys have to shoulder more of the responsibility in a Josh Allen-less offense. Otherwise, you're right, it could be a very long day for Case Keenum, but I'm hoping if two armchair quarterbacks like you and me can come up with this, that Ken Dorsey has been strategizing not sleeping and thinking of ways that he can get this Bills offense on track if Josh has to miss the game. Yeah, I mean, with Hines being out there, hopefully in week number two, he knows more of the playbook. And really, that's that's the only thing that's keeping him out. He, he's learning a new playbook, and this is not a simple offense. Um, but I, I would absolutely love to see him get out there and use his speed, get around the edge, again, neutralize those pass rushers, keep them off balance. If the Bills can run the ball, this is going to be a successful game for, for the Bills offense because I do have confidence that the defense can keep can prevent this game from turning it into a track meet. Yeah, and, and here's the thing too, Jamie, and I'm glad you brought up the track meet part of this. The Vikings are incredibly hot when you look at the win-loss record. They've won their last six in a row. But did you know they've had to rally most of the time to get those victories? And I think almost every single one of their wins this year has been by one score. So there's a clutch gene for sure, but it's not like the Vikings have gone through a murderer's row of opponents to get to their seven and one record, not diminishing the fact that they've won those games because all that matters is the W this isn't college football where you get style points for running up a 60 point victory on an inferior opponent. Mm -hmm. I feel like 
there's something, I don't know, man, there's just something in the air where I'm thinking the Bills are going to pull this one off because they they need it. They need to get back in the win column. They're playing at home. The conditions are not going to be great. Uh, Kirk Cousins is not a great bad weather quarterback. Mm. Uh, I want to put that out there. The Vikings play all their home games in a dome, so I can't tell you the last time that he's really had to go into a whipping set of wins to try to lead an offense up and down the field. I'm just, I, I don't know. I, I'm not, I'm not as worried about the outcome of this game if Case Keenum's under center because the Bills, I don't, I, I can't see them not putting Case in a position to succeed. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like if you say, if you say all off season, well, we've got this veteran safety blanket for Josh Allen and it's Case Keenum and we're confident that he has quote unquote it. He's got what the Bills wanted out of their backup quarterback. You're going to do everything under your power to script a game plan that puts him in a place to succeed. And I don't know. I just I feel like if it's running the ball, if it's those quick little passes out of the backfield, if it's little slants and little quick motion offense plays to get the offense going up and down the field, I'm not worried about the defense. If Case can get the Bills to 20 or more points, I think they win. I I think that's totally reasonable. Now, if Josh Allen plays, do you expect the offense to look different? No. I I expect if Josh Allen's out there, I think they're going to keep their same offensive philosophy of uh, they should sprinkle some more runs in, but I think they're still going to be their pass-heavy identity because if we've learned one thing about Sean McDermott, he is very unwilling to go away from the game plan. And this Bill's game plan strength is the air attack. So even though you might expect, and Josh Allen too, if he's playing, he's a competitor. He's, did you see that last throw of the game? The one that went 69 yards and hit. Oh, and you mean the one that hit Gabe Davis in the face is what I was going to (laughs) say. I mean, I dude, he dropped that ball. Like, I mean that that's the thing people forget about. Like, Yes, Josh Allen might have a, a UCL tear that he's dealing with, otherwise known as you know a Tommy John type procedure for baseball players. He threw the hardest, fastest pass that's happened in the NFL this year on that play, and it was a freaking dime to Gabe Davis. I, I'm sorry, I love Gabe Davis. He has to be the most underperforming member of this team this year. Uh, I I would say so. You know what people. Well, no, I'm going to say probably Roger Saffold for me, but um, yeah, that's a good point. Saffold has really, uh, he has not lived up to the expectations that we had for him uh, starting at guard. He has been a disappointment for sure, but continue. Your your point is, is well taken in that Gabe Davis has one of the highest drop percentages in the league and people... people are overlooking the fact that this guy is a long strider. And there's a reason the majority of his receptions are downfield. He doesn't have the quickness to get off the line and make sharp cuts close to the line of scrimmage. That that He has a limited route tree, and that has been a problem. The Bills are missing Emmanuel Sanders and Cole Beasley in this offense. You, you can tell that when it comes to moving the sticks, they have to look at Stefan Diggs every single time because there doesn't seem to be a lot of faith in the other receivers to get open underneath, you know, within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage. That's not good. 
I mean, Isaiah McKenzie has proven he's not a number three. Khalil Shakir's too young. And it looks like Gabe Davis is turning into a one-trick pony, doesn't it? Yeah, it, you know, it does. I mean, I feel like we all, during the offseason, it was so easy to fall in love with, oh, Gabe Davis caught 201 receiving yards and four touchdowns against the Chiefs, and he was a prolific. He'll automatically make that leap from being the number three to the number two with Emmanuel Sanders retiring and Cole Beasley leaving Buffalo. You know, that was the assumption. Well, through the first nine weeks of this season, it has not manifested itself. And the Bills desperately need something more beyond Stefan Diggs. I wish if OBJ was fully healthy. Now, I know he could be cleared to play by doctors. I guess they were saying this week he could be cleared or early next week he could be cleared. Count me in amongst the people that if the Bills are going to make another major splash, it has to be a wide receiver. And with the deadline passing, OBJ is really the only option out there. I want the Bills to sign OBJ. Where do you stand on yeah, that? Yeah, 100%. I, I want that to happen. I don't know if it can financially. The Bills are up against it when it comes to the salary cap and are currently scheduled to be $4 million over the salary cap next year. I think there's teams out there that have a lot more cap space that can offer him more security in the long run. And I think he's going to he's gonna spring for that. I think Von Miller is continuing to say it's a done deal because he's trying to get his buddy, OBJ, more money from other teams. Yeah, but I don't know. I, I get it, Jamie, but I feel like with the recruiting pitches that have taken place, I mean, I don't – OBJ – I'm sure he would love – I mean, he's got a lot of money to begin with. I mean, if the Bills give him a chance to win the Super Bowl and they're not giving him the veteran minimum salary, if they're able to come up with $3 million prorated – I mean, think about this too. If he comes in, it's already week 10. He's not playing week 10. He's not signed. He would be very doubtful to play week 11. So that $3 million or whatever they can offer is a lot more enticing for the final six weeks of the regular season – and the playoffs than it would have been before the season started. So maybe there is some hope for that. Uh, possibly. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just wondering if Beckham is looking beyond just this season. I mean, he could go to Dallas and have a chance to win the Super Bowl, right? I mean, they're a good team this year, and they need him. They get a lot of publicity. And what if they're willing to give him a four-year contract with $60 million guaranteed? I don't think the Bills can do that, can they? No, there's no way that um, Brandon can work his magic beans and come up with that kind of financial <laughs> flexibility out there. I mean, that would be would be too much to ask. But I guess that the whole buddy, you know, pleading with the guy to come over with OBJ, he's got so many former teammates on the Bills that are speaking for him and vouching for him. That's what I'm kind of hanging my hat on when it comes to the OBJ approach. But who knows? He's going to do what he's going to do. The Bills. The Bills have a tough task. I mean, this is definitely, thank goodness they've made it through the more difficult part of their schedule. I know that, you know, you can't look past anybody, but it's much better to be facing Minnesota at home, Cleveland at home, and at Detroit for Thanksgiving than having this be the time when they're playing the the Ravens and the Chiefs and the Dolphins. I mean, the Bills have time to get healthy. It all starts on Sunday 
week 10, the Bills welcome the Minnesota Vikings for a really good matchup. By the way, the game is on Fox, even though it's in an AFC stadium. The game will be broadcast at on Fox at 1 p.m. on Sunday. Jamie, I have a feeling where you're going to go with this, and you can take whatever caveats you want to about who's under center, but give me your prediction for Sunday. What's going to happen? I think the Bills are going to pull off a squeaker. I think the Bills are going to win this game 24-22. I did not see you coming up with the Bills with the win on that prediction. No? Well, you fooled me, buddy. Hey, I don't bite the hand that feeds me. And what feeds me? Bill's Mafia. <laughs> I, I also feel like, and, and this might be oversimplistic, but again, I'm relying on this with my, my argument here. I think the Bills win. I think 24 is what they're, 20 to 24, minimally 20 points. Minimally, they need to get 20 points with Case Keenum if he's under center. If they go more than that, their chances just get better and better. But I will say whoever is under center, the Bills find a way to win this game because what happened last year at this time of year? One, Jamie D'Amico was down in Jacksonville watching the Bills lay an egg against the Jaguars. That was part of a four, five-game slide that the Bills suffered that almost knocked them from their perch of winning the AFC East title for the second straight year. Bills cannot afford to fall into that type of malaise and have a down spell with the entire division is a game and a half behind them at worst. I mean, the Dolphins and Jets are nipping at Buffalo's heels. You got to win your home games. Yeah, I mean, the the Jets are a half game back. Absolutely. And the Dolphins are six and three. They're a half game back. There is no margin for error anymore. And that's why I say, with everything on the line, playing at home in front of a fired-up crowd, the Bills are going to find a way to win this one. I like 24 for the Bills to get to. I'll say they win 24-20, very close to your score, Jamie, but the Bills find a way to eke out a win. It's not going to be pretty if Case Keenum's under center, but all that matters is get the dang W. Yes, sir. So what do you think, Bills fans? We've given you our prognostications bound to go wrong on Sunday, get involved with us and share us your thoughts on Twitter. Jamie is at the Jamie D'Amico. I am at John Boccasino. You can also comment on our articles on buffalorumblings.com. And Jamie, let's hope that we're two clairvoyants who were on the right side of scores for this week with the Bills getting those wins, buddy. Hey, man, the only way I want to be wrong is if it's a much bigger point spread in the win. <laughs> Amen. And and again, Kirk Cousins, I cannot stress this enough, does not play well in bad weather so maybe this is a good time for the weather gods to shake up the snow globe and dump some snow on the highmark stadium but win loser draw you can come back to believe a buffalo bills fan podcast for our thoughts week in and week out on our beloved buffalo bills for my esteemed colleague jamie D'Amico, i am john Boccasino signing off with a go bills <laughs>